Ladies and gents, this is the moment you've waited for. Buried in your bones, there's an ache that you can't ignore. Taking your breath, stealing your mind, and all that was real is left behind. Don't fight it, it's coming for you, running at you. It's this moment, don't care what comes out of you. feel the dream, can't you see you getting closer? Just surrender, cause you feel the feeling taking over. It's What's up, Liquid Church? How y'all doing? My name is Niffin. <laughs> Let's welcome our campuses watching throughout the state of New Jersey and those watching online. I'm one of the pastors here. Welcome for, to At The Movies. We are in week three. We kicked off this series looking at the movie The Greatest Showman, talking about how we are all a part of God's family. Last week, we talked about Darkest Hour, which was about Winston Churchill, World War II, and how God is with us in the battles that we face on a regular basis basis. And today is for our animation lovers. And we're going to be looking at the movie The Incredibles 2. Any Incredibles 2 fans in the room? Awesome. Awesome. I think quite a few of you have seen the movie. I know that uh, my wife and our kids, we went and saw it like the first couple weeks it came out. We absolutely loved it and we weren't the only ones. This movie has made over $500 million worldwide. It's the highest grossing animated movie of all time. And uh, a lot of great things in this movie. One of the things I really loved about it is it was about a family with superpowers. So not just an individual, but an entire family that had these superpowers. And, I, you know, I always wondered, you know, did you ever as a kid think what kind of superpowers you'd want? Like anyone ever thought of that? Like I know that for me, I wanted like super strength and the ability to fly because then I'd like be able to fight bad guys and, and do all those different things. And so watching this movie was like, man, I'm making me remember all those times when I wished I had superpowers. Well, listen, if you haven't seen the movie yet, I want to give you a taste of what the movie's like. We are going to watch the trailer. So go ahead and sit back, relax, and watch the trailer for The Incredibles 2. Check it out. Did you wash your hands? With soap? Did you dry them? What? Is this all vegetables? Who wanted all vegetables? I did. So, are we going to talk about it? Why? The elephant in the room. What elephant? Mom's new job. It's time to make some wrong things right. Help me bring supers back into the sunlight. We need to change people's perceptions about superheroes, and Elastigirl is our best play. Better than me? <clears throat> Whoa! I like Mom's new job! Bye, sweetie. I'll watch the kids, no problem. supposed to do it, Dad. They want us to do it this I don't way. know that way. Why would they change math? Math uh, is math. Okay, math Dad. is math. Hello? Hey, honey. How are the kids? Everything's great. Wow. Is she having adolescence? And Jack-Jack? 
He's in excellent health. Whoa, what the? Num num cooking. Oh my god. Cooking. <laughs> Whoa, gay. That is freaky. You know it's crazy, right? To help my family, I gotta leave it. To fix the law, I gotta break it. You've got to, so our kids can have that choice. Thank you, young man. Combustion imminent? What does that mean? Ah! It means fire, Robert. Green Slater interrupts this program for an important announcement. Suit up. It might get weird. I'll be there ASAP. Where you going ASAP? You better be back ASAP. Where are you going ASAP, right? <laughs> you know, this was a really fun movie, and it's actually still out if you want to go watch it in the theaters. And one of the themes I really loved about this movie is it's about family. It's about togetherness. It's about working together as a team. And you have this incredible family, which is the Parr family. You've got Dad, who is Mr. Incredible. He's got super strength. He's got the ability to pick up cars. He can pull trees out of the ground. And then there's Mom, who is Elastigirl. She's got this ability to be extra stretchy, like she can reach with one arm, go to another room and grab a kid, the other arm, go to a different room, grab another kid. I mean, what mom wouldn't want that gift, right? Like that, <laughs> super practical. And then there's the kids. You've got Violet, who is the daughter. She's got the power of invisibility. She can make force fields. She also has the power of being an angsty emo tween, you know, all of those things. And then you've got the son, Dash. He's got super speed. He's super fast. And then, of course, there's the baby. There's Jack-Jack. In the first movie, he didn't notice he had powers until the end of the movie. And now in this movie, they're kind of figuring out what do we do with his powers. Now, the way Incredibles 2 opens up is that they're, he kind of picks up right when the first movie left off. They're trying to save the world. They end up making an entire mess of it. They get arrested. And superheroes are not allowed to use their powers. So those are all outlawed. And so they're trying to figure out what the next steps are, and that's when they receive an invitation from a guy named Winston Dever. Dever is a superhero fan. He wants to make superheroes great again, get them out onto the public scene and all these other things. And so he initiates a meeting with mom and dad, Mr. Incredible and Elastigirl, and their friend Frozone. Check this out. Let me ask you something. What is the main reason you were all forced underground? Ignorance. Perception. Take today, for example, with the Underminer. Difficult situation. You were faced with a lot of hard decisions. Oh, tell me about it. I can't. Because I didn't see it. Neither did anyone else. So, when you fight bad guys like today, people don't see the fight or what led up to it. They see what politicians tell them to see. They see destruction, and they see you. So, if we want to change people's perceptions about superheroes, we need you to share your perceptions with the world. How do we do that? With cameras. We need you to share your perceptions with the world. How do we do that? We embed tiny cameras like those into your super suits. Wow, so small. And the picture is outstanding. Thanks. Designed to myself. So how do you change perception? That's really the question that they're trying to answer. And so Elastigirl is chosen to be the one to represent the face of heroes, at which Mr. Incredible is like, why don't you want to pick me? 
And so they go with Elastigirl. She gets these cameras embedded in her suit. And so she goes out and she faces bad guys. She saves people. She goes to battle with Screenslavers, who's the uh, main villain in this movie, while dad goes and kind of takes care of the kids and experiences some challenges with that. This is a great movie. And in the trailer, there's this one phrase that I really think spoke, speaks to many of us. And it's this, it's, it's time to get back to being incredible. It's time to get back to being incredible because one of the things that the Bible teaches, one of the themes in Scripture is that you and I are actually made to be incredible. God has given us this incredible ability and what I mean by that is it's to know your purpose, to live out your purpose, kind of coming to fullness of your potential that comes in knowing Jesus. But we live in a world, in a society, in a culture that's constantly attacking this incredibleness that God has kind of put within us, constantly going after it. And in fact, we see this all the time in social media, don't we? Like, you know, in social media, you kind of create this online persona that, you know, maybe could be sort of, is like, resembles your real person, but a lot of times it doesn't. In fact, there's a name for this. Doctors call this Snapchat dysmorphia. Snapchat dysmorphia, it's kind of based on the social media platform Snapchat. In Snapchat, you can actually get these filters and you can uh, get them to make you look different. So, you know, you can put flowers in your hair. Um, it can make your skin lighter. It can make your face more narrow. It makes your eyes bigger. But it's actually becoming a problem. In fact, plastic surgeons say that 55% of their patients now come up to them and say, hey, can you make me look like my selfie? Can, can you make me look at like my filtered self? And this is becoming enough of a problem that Boston University has actually weighed in. They said, this is an alarming trend because those filtered selfies often present an unattainable look and are blurring the line of reality and fantasy for these patients. Like, take that in for a moment. That literally, we are so focused on this fantasy of what we think we want to look like that we're not actually looking at how God has made us originally. In fact, one of the church fathers says this. He says that the glory of God is man fully alive. It's this incredible aspect of ourselves that so often we're looking all over the place, but instead of looking to who God has made you and I to be. So then, how do we get back to being incredible? How do we get back to being the man or the woman that God has made us to be with our gifts and our warts and all of those things in between? Well, we're going to discover the answer to this by looking at another incredible family in the Bible. This is an incredible family in the Old Testament made up of three people, Saul, who's the king, Jonathan, who's his son, and then there's a guy who's called the armor bearer. We don't know his name, but we'll talk about more him more in a minute and see how he's a part of this family. We find ourselves in this story in the history of God's people, the nation of Israel, where they're at war with this rival tribe called the Philistines, and King Saul is kind of at war with them, and the Philistines assemble to fight Israel with 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and soldiers as numerous as the sand on the sea shore. So there's a battle about to start. There's thousands of Philistines, a couple hundred of Israelites, and they're going to war. Israel knows that they're outmatched and they're outgunned. And when the men of Israel saw that their situation was critical and that their army was hard-pressed, they hid in caves and thickets, among rocks, and in pits and cisterns. So these guys are freaking out, looking at what's happening. There's this war coming. They don't know how they're going to handle it. So they're hiding behind bushes and in caves. They're even looking for sewers. And they're going into sewers and all that muck because they're so afraid of dying at the hands of the Philistines. Like instead of being superheroes, these guys are super cowards. What they need is a king. 
a king who can rally them, who can bring everyone in. And so when they look to King Saul, they find that Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree in Migran. So they're looking for their king to kind of step up and lead them, and he's checked out. He's sitting under some pomegranate tree, drinking a pomegranate martini. Non-alcoholic, of course. Because he's terrified. He's with these crew, his troops. They're terrified too, so they're kind of staying away. They're hundreds of miles from the front lines. And in this moment, Jonathan, his son, steps up. And there's a role reversal that takes place where Jonathan actually says, I'm going to be the leader. And he turns to his armor bearer, his assistant, and says, Come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. So Jonathan's going to go on this secret covert mission. It's so secret, he doesn't even tell his dad. And he's making on this mission, and he's going to do something incredible. And it's going to inspire incredible courage in his troops. It's going to inspire incredible uh, defiance against the odds and against evil. Jonathan's about to do this in a way that's going to show us how we can get back to being incredible again. And the first way is that we need to realize that you have an incredible role to play In the story that God has for your life, you have an incredible role that only you can play. In fact, one of the surprises in the movie The Incredibles is that there's a role reversal. In the first movie, it's all about Mr. Incredible, how he wants to be incredible again and be a superhero and be super strong and super powerful. And the shift now is it's all about mom, Elastigirl. So how she's going to be the hero, how she's going to take on the bad guys, while dad is going to go from being a superhero to a super dad. He's going to be the stay-at-home dad. And what he felt was at first going to be pretty easy actually ends up being more challenging than he expected. Take a look. Looks normal to me. When did this start happening? Since Helen got the job. I assume she knows. Are you kidding? I can't tell her about this. Not while she's doing hero work. Girl, come on. Leave the saving of the world to the men. I don't think so. I've got to succeed so she can succeed so we can succeed. I get it, Bob. I get it. When was the last time you slept? Who keeps track of that? Besides, he's a baby. I can handle it. I got this handle. So, you're good then. You got everything under control, right? What the? Cookie. Cha-cha want a cookie? Num num cookie, cha cha num 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 cookie, cookie, you're not cookie. Oh my God! Cookie. Wow. Okay. Okay. So he can still hear you from, from the other dimension. Yeah. That is freaky. It's pretty freaky, right? It's like you know, whenever you know, who keeps track of sleep when you have a new baby, right? But, you know, here's what I love about this scene because, you know, he's, you know, Mr. Incredible knows that his role is he's got to be a dad and he's got to do it well. And I love what he says. He goes, I must succeed so that mom can succeed so that we can succeed because they understand that they're a team. They have to work together. They have to rely on one another. And in the same way, you and I have a role to fill. And when you fulfill your role, it enables others to fulfill their roles to accomplish what God has called them to do. And here's the thing, our roles are defined by the gifts that God has given us and the passions that he's given us. It's not defined by society or anything that's out there. You know, John and Saul, they had this uh, role that was there. He was the king, he was going to be the helper, but the role reversed. And now Jonathan had to step up and he had to be the king. He had to step into leadership. In fact, he says this to his assistant, let's go across to the outpost of those pagans. 
He says to his armor bearer, perhaps the Lord will help us, for nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle, whether he has many warriors or only a few. See, in this battle, John knows that he has a specific role to play. John has got to step in and be the king. He's got to be the one that's going to take the risk, inspire the men, rally them so they can get into battle. It may not have been the role that he wanted, but it's the role that he is stepping into, and he has confidence in that role, knowing I'm going to do what God's called me to do here. I'm going to trust him with the results. That's what he's got to do. You know, the other day, I was out in the atrium. I was kind of meeting some uh, new folks, and I was there, and I, and I met this one guy. You know, he's this big, burly guy, kind of intimidating. So I'm like, hey, my name's Nathan. I'm one of the pastors. And, uh, you know, he tells me his name. And, you know, I ask him, so what do you do for a living? And I'm expecting him to say, well, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, 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 in, I'm in construction, or I'm a, in a biker gang, or, you know, I'm a WWE wrestler. Like, that's kind of what I, I'm expecting him to say. He goes, actually, you know, listen, I have this amazing job. I actually get to be a stay-at-home dad with my kids. I go, really? Tell me more about that. He goes, you know, my wife, she's got this corporate job. She's been doing this, an incredible job at it, climbing the ladder. I get to support her to fulfill her role. So I get to get the kids up in the morning. I get them to school. I pick them up. I help them with their homework. I make sure the house is set. I make sure that, you know, I can make sure the house is running the way it's supposed to so that she can do what she can do. And I go, dude, you're like a superhero. And he's like, I'm Mr. Incredible. And I go, yeah, you are Mr. Incredible. But you know, so often society and culture likes to tell us this is what your role is. This is what it means to be a man or this is what it means to be successful. But that's not what success means. God defines what success is. God tells us what our roles are and how we're supposed to live them out to the ultimate fulfillment and to the max. See, when we live out the roles that God has for us, it enables us and others to be who God's called them to be. Because when you have an incredible role to play and you play that role, you start to realize that you have incredible gifts to use. You have incredible gifts that you use in order to fulfill your role. You know, when Jonathan was going at the Philistines, they were going at them with a major disadvantage because, you see, there were no blacksmiths in the land of Israel in those days. The Philistines wouldn't allow them for fear that they would make swords and spears for the Hebrews. So the Philistines at that time, they're literally like the um, arms dealers of the time. And so they have cornered the market on metal. Uh, the Philistines have all the metal. They have all of the blacksmiths. They actually went and captured all of them. So if you wanted like a rake or a spear or anything, you'd have to go to the Philistines. And they would overcharge you. And sometimes they wouldn't even give you what you paid for. And so they were just simply ripping you off. And so this had a huge impact on the army. So on the day of the battle, none of the people of Israel had a sword or a spear, except for Saul and Jonathan. So I want you to picture this. The only two guys that have the only two swords are Saul and Jonathan. Saul is checked out by the pool, so you can't use his sword. And then there's Jonathan. And imagine, can you imagine, like, you know, you, you're starting in the army, and you join up, and you come, and you're expecting your sword and your shield, and instead they give you a squirt pistol and a Nerf gun? <laughs> and you're like, oh, I'm dead. Like, I'm, I'm so dead. I'm so dead, right? That's why they're freaking out the way they are. And so Jonathan knows, all right, I've got to inspire courage. Like, we need to see that God's going to be the one who's going to come through. And so Jonathan is the one that kind of takes this big, big risk, and he starts to actually cross into enemy territory. In fact, I want to show you this picture. This is a picture of the actual location where this battle 
took place. Like this actually happened. This is the real place it took place in. And so the way ancient battles would take place at this time was you'd have one side that would be up here. Maybe it was Israel and they'd be up there. And then the Philistines would be up here. They would be able to see each other. They would call each other bad words and bad names. And then finally, when they got so sick of it, they would all come rushing down and they'd all come to battle at the bottom of the valley. So at this point, Jonathan is on his secret mission. He sneaks out here and now he's actually climbing up the face of this cliff. This is an incredible feat and inspires courage among his men. And so as this is going on, he turns to his armor bearer and says, perhaps the Lord will help us for nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle whether he has many warriors or only a few, whether he's got lots of swords and spears or none. You see, Jonathan's got this confidence because he knows this is my role. I'm going to step into it. But not only that, he takes the gift of a sword that he has. He has his weapon. He has his military insight. And he uses his gifts in his role. And he's like, all right, God, I'm going to trust you that you're going to give us victory. But I'm going to use my gifts to the best of my ability, to the maximum effort. And when you look at a movie like The Incredibles, The Incredibles 2, It's all about these gifted people who have these abilities that most of us don't have. And yet, these abilities are suppressed because they're outlawed from using them. And that's why Elastigirl, or mom, has such an incredible job. She has to help the supers be super again. She has to help them be able to use their gifts. And so as she's about to embark to use her gifts to kind of fight evil and save others, she's also given another gift that enables her, and actually enhances her ability to save the day. Check this out. Elastocycle? Elastocycle? I didn't know you had a bike. Hey, I had a mohawk. There's a lot about me you don't know. Yeah, but a mohawk? Ah, you didn't miss anything. Oh, yeah. This one's electric. What's that mean? Means it's torquey. I'll get the hang of it. You will be great. I will be great. And you will too. We will both be great. Bye, sweetie. ever have that awkward moment where you find out that your mom had a mohawk when you were a kid? Or was that, was that just me? Okay, I'll just work that out with my counselor. Um, I love the interchange between mom and dad. You will be great. I will be great. And you will be great. Mom and dad are both using their gifts, but they're using them in different ways and in different directions, complementing one another, but yet enabling them to both be successful whether it's Elastigirl fighting evil and saving people from a train that's going crazy or dealing with a baby with these superpowers and gifts that they can transport in dimensions, whatever it is, they're using their gifts under that ability. You know, I know many of us think, man, Nathan, if I had those kind of abilities, those superpowers, like super strength or stretchiness, I could do some incredible things. But you know, I believe that God has given you incredible gifts and abilities right now that you can use and he can use through you. In fact, the Apostle Paul puts it this way. He says, there are different kinds of gifts, meaning we all have gifts. None are better or worse than others. They're just different. But the same Spirit 
distributes them. So the Spirit of God has literally given you these supernatural gifts and these supernatural abilities that when you lean into them and when you use them, you experience the joy and the favor and the love of God. And it actually flows in and through you to others. And so you don't, you don't need the power to fly, but you can have the power to encourage other people and to love them. In fact, I think of all the different spiritual gifts that are used here at Liquid Church across all of our campuses. You know, when you first showed up to your campus, you know, someone greeted you with a smile and shook your hand and maybe they gave you a cup of warm coffee. Maybe when you walked into your campus, someone handed you a program or some Swedish fish and they said, welcome, we're glad you're here. You see, that's the gift of hospitality at work. Those of you that have the gift of hospitality, you have the supernatural ability to make people feel welcome, to make people feel that they're loved and that they're cared for and that wherever they go, this is their home. If you have that ability, we need that ability. It's such a power that literally you can use to be a blessing to others. You know, there's some folks that came here and they were here really, really early. They got here with their instruments and they were warming up their vocals and they were able to lead us into the presence of God. They used their musical gifts and their musical ability to be a blessing to us. You know, I know a couple of you have said this to me. You know, Nathan, I, you and Tim, you guys are great communicators, but the truth is I'm really here for the worship. <laughs> and I said, me too, don't tell anybody, <laughs> right? Because it's some incredible worship. But being able to come into the presence of God and being refreshed and renewed because you're able to sing songs and experience the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, we need that. And those people have the gift and the ability to kind of bring us into that place. Or how about this? Have you ever had a week where literally you, it drains you of life? And literally, the very reason that you're here at a liquid campus because you need a word of encouragement. You need the prayer team to pray for you, to kind of speak the right words at the right time in the right way so that you have the ability to kind of keep going in the week after that. They can pray a word of peace over your anxiety. They can pray a word of strength and perseverance in seasons of great difficulty and great pain. See, that's why we have the dream team here at Liquid. The dream team, all these different gifted people come together with their gifted personalities, with all of their different gifts, and together we can be a blessing to the world around us. You know, I don't know where you're at, but if you have a gift that you're kind of sitting on, we need you to share your gift. You're robbing us of the ability to see what God is doing in your life and how you can be a blessing to others. I don't want to say that to guilt you, but you have an incredible ability and a supernatural ability that we would love to see you kind of release that into our church and into the world around us. You know, not only do you have gifts, but there's something that happens when your unique gifts come in contact with your unique personality and your unique passions. And what actually happens is you as a human being become a gift to the people around you. And there's something powerful and beautiful when you were able to see yourself as a gift to the world around you. In fact, Elastigirl, or mom, sees herself as this gift to this upcoming group of superheroes. These are a group of up-and-coming superheroes that uh, Elastigirl is able to actually help inspire. In fact, she meets one of them named Void, and it's really an incredible interaction. Check this out. I never Elastigirl, there you are. Hello. I, I didn't... Wow. Come on, get yourself together, Karen. Hi. My superhero name is Boyd. I just want to thank you for, like, for being you. And I just... Oh, I just, like... Okay. What I can do, um, is this. 
Interdimensional. I felt like an outcast before, but now with you being you, I feel like <sighs> yay me. You know, I love this scene because Void here is like, you know, when I was a kid, I felt like an outcast. I had these abilities and I was able to do these things and I didn't understand. But then I saw you and you being yourself. And it re I realized that I have these gifts and the abilities to be a blessing to other people. Folks, you have these gifts and these abilities and these talents and passions that God has given you. And when you live out of them in the full authenticity of who you are, you can be an incredible blessing to the world around you, to the people around you. I think sometimes we say to ourselves, well, you know, I can't do certain things because I'm not gifted as so-and-so or I'm not like those people. But let me tell you something. When you stand before God at the end of your life, God's not going to ask you, why aren't you more like your spouse? Why weren't you more like your brother? Why weren't you more like your pastor? Why weren't you more like fill in the blank? You know what God's going to say to you? He's going to say, why weren't you you? Why weren't you the person that I made you to be? Why weren't you leaning into your role? Why weren't you developing the gifts that I've given you? Why weren't you loving the people that I placed in your path? Why were you always comparing yourself, contrasting yourself to others? God wants you to be you, amen? God has empowered you with spiritual gifts and abilities. He wants you to be who God made you to be. We don't need to compare. We don't need to contrast. We simply need to lean into the path that God already has for us. Because remember, you already have an incredible role to play. And God's given you incredible gifts to use in that role. But we also need to remember that we have an incredible family to fight with. We have an incredible family that is on our side that's going to help us through the battles that come our way. In fact, you know, Jonathan did not go into battle by himself. He didn't go to battle by himself. He had his armor bearer. And maybe you're like, dude, what is this armor bearer thing? Like, what is that about? What world are we in? An armor bearer is simply kind of a young man, like an attendant, who would attend the king or the general. And basically their job would be to protect uh, the general or the leader. They would also kind of hand them the swords. The way I like to think about it is it's like a weapons caddy. Any of you golf, you guys know what a caddy does? Like a caddy carries the golf clubs and, and you're like, hey, I need a nine iron. And they'd give you a nine iron and you kind of would hit the ball. Well, that's kind of what a armor bearer would do, except instead of a nine iron, they'd hand you like a broadsword or something. So, you know, like Jonathan's like in the middle of a battle. He's like, well, hmm. I see like six Philistines. I am going to need my Braveheart uh, broadsword with the double edges. Can I get that armor bearer? Great, let's go. So that's essentially what an armor bearer would do. And so Jonathan looks to his armor bearer and he says this, let's go across to the outposts of those pagans. Perhaps the Lord will help us for nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle whether he has many warriors or only a few. And so this is what Jonathan's armor bearer says. He goes, do, you, do what you think is best. I'm with you completely, whatever you decide. The armor bearer is John's ride or die. Like wherever he goes, whatever he does, he's got his back. He will go with him to the gates of hell and back. It doesn't matter how bad it is, how crazy it is. The armor bearer is there with him. That's well, how it's going to go. And so then John says to his armor bearer, come on, climb right behind me. For the Lord will help us defeat them. So once you get that picture of that rock cliff that John is climbing up, right? So he's climbing up this mountain. He's going up there. He's getting higher and higher. The armor bearer is right there behind him. But you got to remember, the Philistines are also up on top. And they're looking down. They're seeing these two crazy guys climbing up their cliff. And they're like, oh, this is easy. We, we, we're waiting for them. They're waiting for them to come up. And as this is going on, 
Jonathan finally gets to the top. And the Philistines fell before Jonathan, and his armor-bearer killed those who came behind them. So Jonathan somehow gets up this cliff. He takes out the first two Philistines that are up there. He gets up there. He's got his sword. He's ready to go to battle. The armor bearer has no sword, so he's like got his kung fu thing going. Like he's ready 